0: Well, hey, welcome back to uh, the Gig Harbor Flycast. I'm with John Kovich again today, and uh, if you um, th- if this is your first time uh, listening in, uh, we had John on the podcast recently to just to talk about travel. We talked about all sorts of fun stuff. From, I was in the
1: same outfit too. Uh,
0: yeah, me too. So yeah. it, we're, we're, this is our part two, but um, but we figured the other one was uh, a good good chunk of time which was about probably the average daily commute. And so, yeah, right, you know, maybe yeah. that was on a Monday and here we are on, you know, maybe your Wednesday. So thanks for joining us uh, today. And I'm really excited to talk with John because we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Cuba today. And um, and so the last one was just more general travel stuff. And today more specifically about Cuba because the two of us have done um, quite a few trips to Cuba. John's done mm-hmm. a lot more than I have. And um, and it's a really interesting place. Um, it's I mean, most most everyone knows where it is on a map. I don't even um, I don't even
1: know if that's true, Blake. Well, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe it's not. So,
0: yeah. um, but um, you know, so so John, like, wh- when was the first trip you ever did to Cuba? When? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I have been trying to figure that out. It was late '90s. I I can with tell you that. Brian O'Keefe it was right? with O'Keefe, and we were doing a chapter for Randall Kaufman's Bonefish book. So the big, you know, really nice Bonefish book that Randall did, uh, we were doing the Cuba section. Brian was, did all the photographs basically for the book, but uh, we kind of got the opportunity to go down and highlight Cuba because Randall did a section on each great destination around the world, you know, sure. and wrote about it. So we were, yeah, we went down to shoot pictures of it and then uh, write a little bit um, about it. So that was 97, 98, something like that.
0: So how were you, I mean, was it legal for you guys to go or how?
1: Is this re- this isn't recorded as is
0: well? Well, like? that was like no, and it, that was like a long time ago too, right? So this, yeah,
1: well, it was certainly different, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it was different in a lot of ways because that was during the, the special period, which we should we should talk about, okay. mention that. Uh, so late '90s to go from the U.S., you had to go to Canada, you had to go to Mexico, something like that. So we went through Cancun, okay, and went in and um, uh, did it that way. So yeah, things are pretty markedly different right. now,
0: right? Right. So uh, so Cuba has had a um, I mean, they the revolution has was 60 years ago. Right. Uh, where yeah, uh, Fidel through overthrew the, uh, the government. Yeah. Baptista. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, so so in the 90s, I mean, the the, the big I mean, and I'm going to let you talk about it, but mm-hmm. just to set it up is that I mean, it's, it's when really the the support of Russia, of the USSR, um, I mean, went away, went away, and, right. and Left Cuba. Yeah, the high you know, drawing. it was.
1: It's such a. I mean, it's almost everything you talk about in Cuba today has a tie back to that time, right? Um, because it was so important. As you said, you know, we all know about the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that good, good stuff. Sure. And so Russia was, or the Soviet Union, I should say, was the partner, I mean, in all ways, to Cuba, Yeah. right? I mean, from just a, a you know, all sorts of support, meaning the the goods that came into Cuba, yep. the goods that Cuba sent out into the world, the sugar or the coffee, et cetera, yep. that they sent and all went to the Soviet Union, 80% of its exports, 80% of its imports, and that all went away when the Soviet Union broke apart, right? So Cuba was in really tough times for ten years, um, and it's it's interesting to talk about with people if you can talk to like you remember meeting Felipe, yeah, you know, when you were down there, right? Yeah. And this famous fishing guidance spot, and you talked to a guy like Felipe about the special period. Yeah, boy, there's a lot to learn. I, I just had something very interesting on a recent trip where we were in Cayo Largo, and we we're we we're eating lunch. And our guide, I can't remember how, what, how, how old he was, but probably in his mid-30s maybe, you know? And he was eating rice with mango, rice with mango in it. And so we were joking around about, oh, you know, it just seemed like such an odd combination of things. And he said, well, he said, when I was a kid, times were pretty tough. And we started thinking back. <clears throat> this was in the mid-90s, right? right. And he said, we, we could get rice, and, yeah. there, and in the summer, of course, we had mangoes all, all summer long. And right. so my mom would mix mangoes with rice. Now, I still like it today, yeah. right? But the average Cuban lost, you know, between 10 and 20 pounds during that, that period. Yeah. And they had to figure out what to do, basically, as a country. And so they that's when Cuba really changed because they reached out to the rest of the world, basically. Not to the United States because right. there was none of that happening. Right. But, you know, reached out to Canada, reached out to Western Europe. Suddenly, there were resorts that were built. Tourists coming on packages from Toronto during the winter to go, you know, yeah. get some sun, and so that made you know tourism the most important uh, commodity right. in Cuba, way way bigger than sugar exports uh, or, ever were.
0: And uh, for us as fly fishermen, we have <laughs> we've benefited from we from this, right? Right. I mean, this is when it, it uh, um, exactly it kind of started. With, that's right. with um them just developing. Ecotourism and no, that's exactly
1: that's exactly right because they were interested in all sorts of tourists and yeah. obviously anglers, um, you know, provide tourism as well. And right. so I don't I don't know the whole story about who in the government had the idea. But they, you know, they somehow got in contact with these guys that were running an operation in the Canary Islands, I believe, Italian guys. And that's who Avalon is basically now. And so this partnership was made and the place you just went, Gardens of the Queen, staying on Tortuga, was the original fly fishing operation in Cuba, which happened in 1994, I believe. So it's been up and going a long time. Where did you guys,
0: did you guys go to, you went to La, La Tortuga? Yeah, we sure did. Like at the
1: beginning? At the beginning. Right, you know, so we and the and the sad part about wow. it was that we didn't see anything at Cuba. You know, we we landed at the airport at Jose Marti, and there was a guy yeah. waiting for us. He had a yeah. sign got into a black Mercedes, a okay. black Mercedes right. in Cuba, and we drove all the way to Jucaro, the little port. You yep. know how long that drive is six yeah. uh, six hours. Yep. got on the boat. <clears throat> you know went out to Tortuga yeah. and on the way back we had one night in Havana you know there's some stories I'll tell you about that we'll have to <clears throat> talk about that later is that uh, off air? no no we can oh. talk about it it's just <laughs> some funny stuff happened there but, but but the point really I'm making is that we didn't we didn't get to see sure in much of Cuba outside of the fishing yeah right? which is wow. a mistake on our part but it yeah. was fantastic
0: so um <clears throat> man so I'm just I'm just trying to so on La Tortuga, you guys were one of the first groups to go. Then I would well, no, it was it the was the up and running three or
1: four years. Okay. at that point, but certainly not a lot of people had been there. Right, right, because I mean, still, even flats fishing, you know, I mean, flats fishing it wasn't that it was unheard of, but that was still in its not its infancy, but in its younger period of growth, I, w- I would say. Yeah. Right. And uh, certainly Cuba wasn't wasn't on the radar for most people. You know, if you're a North American in particular, yeah, places like Belize were on your radar. Or places like the Bahamas were on your radar. Or Ascension Bay Ascension probably. Bay, yeah. To Christmas Island certainly. But yeah. boy, not Cuba. Yeah. Not Cuba, which is one of the reasons it was so awesome.
0: Yeah. But so, and I mean, it, it's interesting to think <laughs> about uh, the country going through such a struggle mm-hmm. and just resource um, – like resource poor. Yeah, um, right. and And then to have, um, I mean, with people just hungry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just that being a, a real issue of mm-hmm. people living in poverty and, and just there being so much hunger. And then to have all of this fishing that they have, you know, access to fishing they have around the island. I mean, right. it's a huge island yeah. and there's a lot of salt water. And then for them to, to, to start setting aside uh, areas mm-hmm. and protecting them. Right. And yeah. not allowing... People to fish them or mm-hmm. um, commercial fishing and stuff like that. Right. Um, I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty, it's pretty crazy to think about. Well, it is.
1: And, and it's, it, yeah, there's all, obviously a lot of benefit. There's a lot of upside to it. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly downside to it. Right. So one of the sayings in Cuba is that the fish are for the tourists. Right. <laughs> because a local Cuban yeah. loves to eat fish. Yeah. Right? In large part because they can't get it very often. Right now they can get it if they go out and they sling a hand line off of Malacone in, in Havana and happen to catch one, right. or if they if, you know if they're close to salt water somewhere else and they can do the same thing. Uh, but in terms of them going to a fish market or something like that and being able to to buy it, right? Boy, it's just not available to them. Right, they're getting chicken, they're getting chicken, they're getting pork, and they're getting rice yeah. and beans, right? Um, and so it's um, it's sad for the Cubans, right, in that regard. Now the upside, of course, is as you said. Some of this was really done very purposely, right? I mean, Fidel became quite an environmentalist, right, in the 90s. And he, he basically said, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put 30% of our coastline into protected marine areas and national parks and preserves. Yeah. Wow. And that's that, what they've done.
0: 30%. Yeah, right. That's, so, you know, that's you think, crazy. yeah, all
1: those places that we fish. Right. Yeah. I mean, who else do you see there? you see commercial lobstering right in season that's yeah, the only other thing it. that you see and so that has made it um it, it kept it pristine is what right. it's done and and you know the other part that i always tell people in when they say why cuba right this is part of the bigger question of why to go there as an angler yeah is that when you go to zapata for example which you've been to several times again you don't see anybody else now not just you're not seeing commercial fishermen you're not seeing anybody else fishing right because they get a license. The outfitter gets a license for a geographic area and then they won't give a license to anybody else. So yeah. you've, they've got that area just for them. You've got it just for you as an angler, which, and that's the biggest comment I get from customers and why they fall in love with Cuba is they say, I feel so isolated out here. Like nobody's been here before. You know?
0: So to <clears throat> to your point, um, one of the things, so there, uh, the hostess on, on the Georgiana, which is mm-hmm. the liveaboard boat in the Z- Zapata peninsula, uh, which is about three hours South of Havana. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just west of the Bay of pigs. Uh, the, the hostess is deny. Yeah. She's and, awesome. and she's awesome. And, but one of the mm-hmm. things like when we're there, we're like, we're on this boat and we're anchored up and, um, the skiffs pick us up from the boat and we go out and fish every day. And it's it's awesome because you're there in our winter and yeah. it's sunny and it's beautiful. But I always tell, I always ask her to put. Uh, they have a, like a sound system on the on the boat, mm-hmm. and I always ask her to put on Cuban music, right? Because I, I just I tell her every time <laughs> reggaeton. Like, yeah, I say right. I don't want to forget yeah. that we're in Cuba. Yeah, right. And yeah. because you know you could be anywhere else. You're, in, you're right. Yeah, in the Caribbean or mm-hmm. in the tropics, or whatever. But like, but um, you know it's. It's pretty awesome to. Be, it's pretty. It awesome is to, pretty awesome to be there. So, yeah. so the Zapata Peninsula. Um, do you know how many square miles that area is that's protected?
1: Um, you know, I. I I should know off the top of my head, I've got it written down because I've looked it up. It's it's hundreds of it's it, several hundred it's thousand ma- it's kilometers, yeah. uh, square kilometers, yeah. when you look at the whole Zapata Peninsula, right? right? So my understanding is that it is the largest protected area in the, on all of the Caribbean, actually, right? the Zapata Peninsula is. And I again, if you read up on it, it's kind of like the ver- their version of the, of the Everglades, really. So it's all mangroves, it's all sawgrass, you know, it's swampland, basically, but it's incredibly healthy swampland it doesn't have upstream mm-hmm. of it all the stuff that the Everglades has and so all that surrounds it is incredible um, habitat for fish to grow up in right so it right. makes it a, an amazing nursery it's a yeah. great
0: place so there's a mm-hmm. place uh, there's a place close to so there's Zapata peninsula so mm-hmm. it's like shaped like this boot mm-hmm. And the Bay of Pigs is on the east side of that, right? And where the Georgiana anchors up is uh, kind of in the western, kind of southwestern part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you drive down from Havana, you you kind of you're kind of driving along the Zapata Peninsula. It's on your yeah, right hand side yeah. a bit, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. There, there's another fishing operation um, that John and I have both been to. That is um, where you you kind of uh, headquarter at the at the Head of the bay, yeah, and then mm-hmm. and then you drive west, um, over to Las Salinas, right? Exactly. Um, and it's it's about 45 minute drive yeah. or so. Mm-hmm. Um, the paperwork always says a half hour, and yeah, I'm like that is it's
1: it's somewhere like, between 30 and 60 minutes, yeah, yeah
0: and it's closer to 57. yeah. Seven. Well, it depends yeah. on yeah, it yeah.
1: depends on the condition of the road, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. and and yeah, so, um, but you get to see, drive, making that drive through there, driving mm-hmm. through the park. Yeah, you get to see, you get to see the swamp and all these birds, and you get to mm-hmm. see. I mean, and you just look around, and you're like, man, look at all these like little hiking trails, and you're like, oh, those are those are from like wild boar. Or <laughs> yeah, something. right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, exactly. It's just yeah, it's. No, it's fantastic. 100%. It so. is
1: fantastic. And you know there, you know, your point there, part of your point is that there are two fishing operations there. Right. Right. And they're really different. They're for kind of for different people. But again, the thing to really understand is they don't cross over. You see every once in a while you see the other guys right you'll see if you're like those aren't our, our boats but right. they're on the other side of the dividing line basically right. and they each have their separate areas um but that land-based thing is kind of cool too especially if you're into doing more cultural stuff or you're wanting right. to go with somebody who's not into fishing and they can do echo tours and oh, we'll,
0: we'll get there we'll get there yeah right yeah <laughs> gonna, oh yeah that's right we're gonna talk about that yeah we're gonna talk about that so i had sent john um some questions <laughs> ahead of time just so uh, so we kind of had a direction of where, where we're going, um, mm-hmm. just with the podcast. But, um, but so for, before we even jump into that stuff, like, I mean, let's talk about fishing in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone even knows what we're talking about right, and yeah. what, you know, we're not talking about trout fishing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so we're right. primarily talking about saltwater fishing, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, with, uh, with the, um, with saltwater fishing, we're, you know, we're mainly talking about bonefish, tarpon permit. And then there's other fun stuff to to catch as sure. well as like snapper, kudas, jacks, etc. All that Snook. kind of stuff. On occasion, yeah. Snook, right? right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, where's your favorite place in Cuba to ask catch you that a bonefish? That's a
1: terrible question for a bonefish. You have to revise your questions. It's a I have terrible to question. The question. No, okay, I'm me, just joking. Well, no, I'm just joking. No, I mean, I yeah, I was reading through those, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's really hard. It's really hard, right? Um, to come. To really make a final decision, I'll be like, what's my favorite place to catch a bonefish? What's my fam- favorite place to catch a permit, et cetera? I do think that, you know, when you're starting, when you're trying to decide on a trip, yeah. right, you have to go through those questions in your mind as to really what's important. Right. And every once in a while, you get a guy or a gal who's like all about permit. Sure. But mostly, most of us are like, yeah, I want to get a permit, but but I want to fish for everything. Yeah, right, exactly. No, but if I if it was just about bonefish, yeah. it, for me it might be it might be Cayo Cruz on the North Shore because there's so much waiting there, okay. right? No, you get a lot of waiting in Zapata yeah. as well. You can, get, you can get a lot of waiting in Gardens of the Queen, but you know when you do it up in Cayo Cruz, you're doing these vast expanses, you mm-hmm. know. And it's a little bit like Christmas Island, some of the some of the territory there. And the fish are a little bit larger than average. So you, you're, you're seeing singles and doubles that are, you know, four to seven pounds, that kind of thing. So okay. that might that might be my favorite place okay. just for that. Yeah, just sure. Just it was well, and because, had to be bonefish. Because
0: fish. some people <laughs> really want to catch his bonefish. Yeah. I mean, they're, um, it's a great place to start when you're mm-hmm. getting into flats fishing. And um, and I, I've noticed that in, in Jardines de la Reina that the bonefish there— are bigger than the bonefish in the Zapata. They peninsula. are. Yeah, um, on average. Yeah. I mean, but we're not talking. I mean, so uh, we've been having these daily vlog uh, videos mm-hmm. coming out from our, right, from I've our been watching Cuba them. trip and it's been fun. Um, and in uh, day six, uh, I'm, I'm permit fishing and there's this, the big there's a big school of bonefish and I just flipped the fly out there and, and just hooked the bonefish with the right. 10 weight uh, with the permit fly. Yeah. And, you know, I did, because I'm thinking, if I get a shot at a permit and I land one, right? you have already caught your bonefish. I already got my bonefish, yeah. and then I can, go, you know, hopefully go get a tarpon and, mm-hmm. you know, get a grand slam. Woo-hoo, right? You know, yeah. big fun. But so I flip it out there and I just hook this bonefish and I just kind of horse the thing in, or at least try to. Yeah. Right? I, I get the thing in, and it's, you know, it's it's the small, probably the smallest bonefish, uh, <laughs> that you know, out of our yeah. out of the entire week. I mean, right. we, we we caught like 200 bonefish for the group, right, mm-hmm. for that week. It's the smallest one, and I make the comment on the video. I'm like. Like this, this bonefish, like in other locations, pe- anglers would be fishing for this fish like yeah. all week long. Like, I mean, yeah. just catching these size bonefish. Right. And it's like, you're just so, I mean, Cuba, it, it kind of spoils it you when it comes to lots of fishing. It does. So.
1: And I always tell people, you know, when you look at, it's like steelheading, right? And we see pictures of the 15 pound, you know, native and you're like, come on, that fish. There's no way that fish is 15 pounds, right? And it's the same thing with bonefish, right? When you go to Belize. Yeah and you've been catching one, one and a half, two-pounders all day long, and you catch a, a four-pounder, Right, that four-pounder is seven.
0: <laughs> right. Right? Oh, totally. It, I mean, it's just all perspective.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, so you're right that the the average size there, particularly in some of those destinations that are a little further away from the mainland, right, yeah. where fish have had more of a chance to grow up, I think, are bigger on average. So, yeah. you know, and I might also say, going back to just – um uh, where I might send somebody mm-hmm. if they said my deal is bone fishing. I probably would send to Zapata, though. I got to say. It's a, it's, a, it's all around. It's a better travel. It's an easier travel experience. Sure. It's, a, you know, it's a better price point. You know, it, yeah. If if the single, tide isn't single right. Single angler. Yeah, that's a so huge you could, thing.
0: You, could just, you huge can just, you can wade. Man. Um so uh, uh, a <clears throat> So, this pencil. Zapata Peninsula. There's, uh, they have a couple different skiffs and um, for the group of eight and you have three days as an angler of, single angler fishing and then three days where you're you're doubled up mm-hmm. and so on and those you're single,
1: almost always doubled up in any other location. yeah right? everywhere else yeah.
0: you're doubled up so on those single angler days you can you can tell the guide you can, you can say hey i just want to wade for bonefish." yeah right and they'll take you to these beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. just you know expansive flats where yeah. you, can, you can just wade and um and, and do what you want to do you don't have to negotiate with mm-hmm. a, with a boat partner yeah right <laughs> so yeah um, which you know just to just to mention man this last trip that i just did i had the best boat partner ever so this guy eric was with us mm-hmm. and uh, just the just the nicest guy yeah like we, we've become friends over the over the years he's been a, a good customer and stuff like that but um but this was like his first uh, flats trip, and you know, so he caught his first bonefish and tarpon, and he was just having a blast. But mm-hmm. he, but he's like, you know, he he knew that I had been in this like permit drought, for yeah, like right. thirty days, right. <laughs> and so you know, if if we saw if we were in a permit area or we, we would focus on permit for just a couple hours each day, he was always like, get up there. Oh, he's like nice I guy. can't cast out a permit yeah. until you, you you break your break your slump, you know. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh. So um, so he was like just. Crazy generous about that. Yeah, um, right. That you know, I think, I mean, was that was pretty lucky. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was, it was a gift for sure. Because yeah. I ended up getting a very nice permit. I saw and um, beautiful fish, man. And so then the the, the thing that was hilarious is that we have this in in uh, in uh, one of our videos. So he, I'm like, okay, man, there's still permit around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just, I mean, I'm done, right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, try to try to cast a permit. Mm-hmm. The first, I mean literally five minutes, and for those of you that have permit fish, you know that it's sometimes hours They're standing right. on the bow of the boat just to see a fish. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's up there for five minutes. The guide sees a, a permit. He throws a great gas to this fish. The fish chases follows the fly, and then and then finally refuses it. And All it's right. like a thirty-five pound <sighs> permit. Like, wow. just
1: like, like, he's so lucky. He didn't catch that fish.
0: Oh, I, t- isn't I, I, he? Oh, I would have thrown him out of the boat. Well, not only, not only that, but he
1: probably would never have got another permit in his life. Right. right? That's right. a total way to jinx yourself. Yeah. You, yeah,
0: you just yeah. used up all of your, all of your <laughs> yeah. potential permit luck. for yeah, sure. exactly. So, um, okay. So, so bonefish, I mean, average size mm. fish, it's not like bleeds where they're pound and a half, two pound fish. No,
1: I mean, and, and as you said, you know, I mean, in, in gardens of the queen, yeah. Or in Zapata, both of those places have fish of all sizes. Right, right. right. I mean, like you talked about that little fish that you caught in the school. Yeah, and there's certainly fish there. I mean, both those places that are seven, eight, nine pounds. Yes. Right. I mean, there, there, there are. Um, so you you get a little bit of everything. I, but I think the thing, the other thing I just love about both of those locations is the diversity of habitat that you find. Just bonefish in. Right. As you said, you can wade You can wade a hard flat. You can wade a soft flat. You can push backcountry in the mangroves where fish are mudding around, you know, amongst the the sticks, right? Yeah. Um, you can fish for fishing schools, you know, you can fish Oceanside Flats, et cetera. I mean, yeah. it's... It's so diverse that I just love it, you know, both of those places in yeah. particular. I love University those
0: oceanside flats where you're, you're yeah, just like, too. you're along the beach. And I mean, especially for permit, too. Yeah. Like that's, that's great. But I mean, but bonefish around. around they're a bit there, usually
1: bigger than average, too. Right. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, and if you find tarpon there, yeah. they're usually a little bit larger as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, definitely right. harder to see. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. 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 You know, but it's it's pretty cool. Okay. So let's <laughs> let's switch gears. Tarpon. Sure. Um, I mean, they're. Tarpon go on a migratory route, mm-hmm. uh, the adults do, and um, and so there's parts of Cuba where migratory fish, we're talking large fish, mm-hmm. uh, that they'll go by, and there's other areas that won't get them. Right. So uh, if people are, are in- interested in in targeting large fish, when, where, what what's what's that kind of sure like? sure sure.
1: So the tarpon migration is generally spring through through. Sometime in the summer, depending upon the the location, actually. Yeah. Some of those extend all the way into the fall. Some kind of end in July, right? Okay. Uh, but that's kind of the tarpon migratory season that you see in Cuba. And I, I, should, I think we should also kind of qualify that migratory tarpon, on average, that you're seeing in Cuba are not 150-pounders. They're not what you might see in the Florida Keys or you might see in Costa Rica or someplace like that. We're talking 60-pounders, 50-pounders, 70-pounders which we all know are the perfect, the perfect fish. Yeah. Absolutely the perfect fish. Um, So some of the great destinations for those fish are Island of the Youth, which is on that Southern side. Yeah. Um, Gardens of the Queen as well. And then Cuba's North Shore, Gardens of the King on the North Shore is another really good one. Probably the the destination has the largest fish on average uh, during that migration. Maybe because they're closest to the Keys something like that. Yeah. But the other thing, you know, it, that is really important to mention is that, like in a place like you just went to, there are tarpon there every month of the year. Right. Right. So you're never you shouldn't ever go there and not be able to cast a tarpon. Right. Which I think is again what makes it such a great destination as Zapata is as well. Right. So, you know, for a person who's wanting that well rounded sorts of flat flats experience, yeah. you know, they can catch a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah. So it's I think so on our, our, um, our last trip, our biggest fish was about 40
1: pounds. That's a big one for it, that time of year. It was man. a great,
0: it was a great fish. We mm-hmm. got a, like a 30, 30 pounder that mm-hmm. same, uh, I think it was that same day. I mean, they kind of, the days all melt yeah, together, right. right? Exactly. One of the other guys got a fish that was, you know, 30, 35 pounds, mm-hmm. something like that. So we had, we had some nice fish. I remember last year in Zapata, um, you know, there was a lot of smaller fish, mm-hmm. a lot of like five, 10 pound, mm-hmm. 15 pound fish, but then the last, last couple days. The group started to find in find some fish on the ocean side, mm-hmm. and I, I. And what month was that? Uh, March. Okay. Yeah. And um mm-hmm. and uh and I I hooked a fish that was sixty pounds. really yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, ended up losing it, um, and it was in a huge school of mm-hmm. large large fish, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been down to Zapata in, later in the year too in the end of April early May time and lots of, lots of uh, you know. 40, 50 fifty mm-hmm. pound fish, yeah, in, in huge schools. Like, and schools what's funny about it is, it's
1: really not known for being one of those places where you see as many migratory tarpon. But right, you're right. Those months of the year, and certainly on those outside, yeah. outside places, yeah, they seem to, you seem to run into them. Okay, sure. so, so
0: some of the, and we'll get back <clears> to different <throat> fish species and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but like some of the operations in Cuba, it's different. Some of them mm-hmm. are land-based, some of them right. are liveaboards mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So talk a little bit about sure. what, what that looks like.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I think the first thing to understand is that there are some places that can only be liveaboards and simply because of where they are. So when right. you went to the Gardens of the Queen Archipelago, Her- Herdinas de la Arena. So it's an archipelago that's 100 and some odd miles long, but it's 50 to 60 miles off the cuban coast so what are you going to do you're not going to stay on land and then have to get out there every day to go fishing right Right. so live aboard boats make sense because again it's a marine park it's a national park so they don't allow there you know there's no resorts that are built out there so you're forced to stay in a live aboard boat why hey there's nothing i mean i say forced but it's the way to go let's face it right awesome yeah it's great zapata you know, when you want to get access that more remote area is a little more boat as well, because it's all swampland. So there's no, and again, national park. So there's no building of resorts. Then there are some other places, particularly on, there's more of them on the North Shore, right? in the Gardens of the King Archipelago, yeah. named after King Ferdinand of Spain. Um, and there... Because that's an important area for tourism in Cuba, but it also has great fishing. Right. But it also it has all these resorts that have been built out there, and so you generally will stay there at the resorts and then access your fishing each day. And it's clo- luckily it's pretty close by. Yeah. But it's a different feel, right? Because yeah. you're then with general tourists, you're with families and couples and Canadians. You know, yeah, Canadians and Europeans. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Canadians, <laughs> man. Which is which yeah. is
0: great. I, yeah. You know, I, I have uh, there's a couple of Canadians that have done several trips to me that I love. I mean, these guys yeah. are just They're excellent. Um, But it's kind of funny talking with uh, people in Cuba because they they really like Americans because... The Americans, they want to like, they want to see, they want to see the cities. They Mm -hmm. want to like talk to people and, and they want to spend money. They want, you know, whereas a lot of the Europeans and the Canadians, they, they just want to get out of the winter. Yeah. Right. So they they fly down and they just go straight to the resort and Mm -hmm. they go sit on a beach or sit by the pool and they do that all week long and they don't go anywhere and they go back to the airport and fly home. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, as far as like, you know, for the Cubans, like, you know, it, it doesn't, that that kind of tourist spending and stuff like that doesn't trickle trickle out into yeah. the economy of, of just the regular people like mm-hmm. like yeah, Americans true. just come and want to see the old American cars and all that kind of yeah, stuff, right. you know.
1: So I got a question for you. What is the uh, what's the most popular MLB pay- baseball team in Cuba? Which one do they know the best? The average this Cuban. is my
0: podcast. You don't ask me. So what do you think? Come
1: on. on. You should know this now. Okay. Um, What's and, and it, it goes along with the hats that you see people well, wearing. And...
0: I see I mean I, I this last trip I noticed a lot of New York Yankees hats. Really? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um but I'm thinking you're gonna say that it's not the Yankees. No, no, what is it?
1: Toronto Blue Jays, man. The Toronto Blue Absolutely. Jays. Absolutely, and it's oh because gosh. of all those Canadians going down there. Yeah. So they bring Toronto Blue Jays hats and uh, yeah.
0: That's crazy because yeah. you would think that the uh that those Cubans <laughs> would know something about baseball. Oh, they, they do. They
1: do. They know everything about baseball. When you say you're from Seattle, right? Right? They'll say, ah, oh, Los Mar- Marineros. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and but, so, and mm-hmm. that's one of the, the cool things about, about Cuba is that it's big on baseball. I yeah. love baseball. Yeah, we, we actually tried to go to a baseball game. Yeah, we I know. There. It didn't work out. But it, my next trip coming up, when I go in November, I'm going to go to a Cuban baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go. Is it the it's, awesome. it's the industriales. That well, the is the Havana the team is the industrialis. Team, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, right. Um, and they
1: sucked this year. They were, you know, I mean, they're you know, they're from the big city, and they got they got, got um, really kicked around. Destroyed. We went and saw a game when I was there yeah. um, in November, and we got there in uh, I think the third inning, and it was like six to nothing oh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other team. It was Les Tunis, I think, that was playing them, and yeah, yeah. They got killed.
0: Is that from they're from Camagüey?
1: Les well, well, so, yeah, Camagüey. Fuegos. Well, the, all, those, all those places have teams. Yeah, right. Yeah, so there's uh, how many provinces in Cuba, and every every province has a yeah. team, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. Where the last well, there's Las Tunas, Cam- Camagüey, Santa Clara. Yeah. Uh, you know, Island of the Youth has a team, uh, or Piñar del Rio has a team,
0: yeah. et cetera. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. baseball. Yep, it's awesome. Jo- join us in Cuba and we'll go, <laughs> go to a, a baseball game. Right. So, um, so on that North Shore, there's more resorts. Mm-hmm. The South Shore is more, we're more of yeah. the liveaboard stuff. Gen- is
1: generally speaking, and I mean, some of these liveaboards yeah.
0: move around mm-hmm. depending on the season. If it's like during right. the tarpon season or stuff like that, so right exactly Island of the youth or different areas yeah are. i
1: mean it's just it's a simple you know i mean for the outfitter that yeah. has to kind of organize the stuff there so they're selling to fly anglers by the way right they're selling to ecotourists they're selling to divers yeah and so you're right they'll move boats from place to place depending upon when you know like when the tarp and migration happens at the island of the youth they'll bring a boat over there right whereas the rest of the year it's out in gardens of the queen so that divers can use it in ecotourists and
0: ecotourists okay stuff. so island of the youth you go there for tarpon uh, <clears throat> yeah i mean what can you expect in a day of fishing
1: well, it's, again, it's it's tarpon fishing and they're migratory fish, sure. right? So we just always have to say that. But they, they also do have tarpon that are there every day of the year. Now, it's a unique habitat. So, you know, I mean, everybody get out your map, you know, go to Google Earth and look at yeah. a map of Cuba. An island of the youth is the largest of the islands that surrounds the Cuban mainland because they've got several archipelagos right and it's a really big landmass, and it's at the very western end of what's called the Canareos archipelago with Cayo Largo at the other end of it and Zapata just to the north so just to give you a little bit of an idea and for some reason during tarpon migration um, a lot of these bigger tarpons show up there obviously something about the habitat that the fish love there are lots of channels there in between the islands there are lots of dark Um, colored bays like those tea stained kind of bays Mm -hmm. that the you know fish will just you know sit in lie in super cool the reef is not far as well when you're out there in the boat the reef is pretty close by and you know on the right with the right conditions they'll be tarping right along the reef which is super cool um and what to expect there can be anything from a couple fish jumped in a day to, you know, a dozen fish jumped in a day. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I've been there several times and, and, you know, I know that one of the questions you had kind of in my preview was what's the best, you know, the most memorable tarpon day you've yeah. ever had. And I couldn't think of one, but the most memorable tarpon uh, trip I've ever had was to Island the Youth, you know, and yeah. it was, it was really amazing. Part of it was, it was at the infancy of that operation. We were at the beginning, you know, sure. so people didn't know too much about it. Including the people, the guides I was with. So, our guide was okay. a guy named Manolo, who's now kind of famous there, okay. but he was getting trained. And I was uh, the manager was this guy named Federico, an Italian guy, super cool guy. So, there were three of us in the skiff, and we just had the time of our lives. There were fish everywhere. Yeah. And we were just taking turns fishing. And, um, you know, a lot of the, again, a lot of the fish were in that 60 pound range. Yeah. And so, they're, you know, they're 11 weight fish or 12 weight fish, really. Yeah. Right. I mean, you catch them on a 10 weight, but why would you want to when you're in a channel that's a little bit deeper? You're mm-hmm. fishing a sinking, a sinking line. Okay. And, you know, that fish, you're pulling hard on a 60 pounder. You're going to land it in 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Sure. Right. Sure. If you're a pretty good angler. Yeah. So how much of that do you want? Well, we, you know, we would switch off and we'd maybe jump, you know, a dozen fish in a day that were that size. Wow. And it was just phenomenal. Yeah. It was just great. And it's really one of the premier tarpon destinations in Cuba or anywhere in the Caribbean. And still you were there known. in
0: like April, May time? I was there. That was June. That June. was, I okay. remember
1: being there on Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a funny story. <laughs> this is a funny story because we were out with, in the boat, Manolo, I hope you're, you know, I'm not going to bust you on this. You probably don't get this in Cuba. But we're out in the boat and it's really hot, right? It's the third week of June. There was no wind. Yeah. And we're out there and uh, we caught a couple of fish and we were having a break and I looked at Manolo and he was just, I can just tell, he's just, just tapped. And I said, Manolo, you know, que pasa? You know, why are you so tired? And he says, my mistress is wearing me out. <laughs> And I learned a little bit about Cuban culture, you know, right then and there. So that it's, you know, common that all the men seem to have a, you know, a mistress or girlfriend on the side. But anyway. Or at least the ones that have
0: money. Yeah, right. Exactly. No,
1: I think it's culturally, it's just a different, it's a different deal. But anyway, it was an incredible trip and I would highly recommend it if you're really into Tarpon. It's not a place to go. If you're wanting to catch a lot of bonefish and and uh, have a lot of chances of permit, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know. So again, those are important conversations. Well, okay, so let's have.
0: talk about the greatest, <clears throat> most special fish mm-hmm. on planet oh, Earth. What is that?
1: <laughs> triggerfish.
0: <laughs> Actually, I really like. I can't triggerfish, say triggerfish, but, but permit, um, permit the palmetta. Yes, uh, <clears throat> it's you know what, once you've uh, you know uh, what I'm trying to remember what Rigo told me that. Um, uh, man, yeah, because it, I mean, it's once you get hooked on permit, it's uh, yeah, it's over. Isn't you, it? Yeah, you're over. You start getting just tunnel vision. Yeah, like, all right. I see is permit. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, I mean, tell me about some of your permit fishing, um, experiences Yeah, there and... right.
1: Well, it's funny because I, I really didn't ever start permit fishing hard until until I really got in Cuba. I'd been to Belize, some other places in Mexico, and I'd hooked a permit here or there. But again, I'd never really spent much time at it. And so I, I really started doing it in Cuba. Yeah. And as you know now from being there as many times as you have, I mean, it's it's got some incredible permit opportunities. Now, there are some places that are really famous for permit, Yeah. and there are places that aren't as famous for it, but that are still incredible permit destinations I'm on the sure. like Gardens of the Queen. Is not the I mean, when people talk about the best permit destination in Cuba, it's generally not right. you know the top one.
0: Cayo Largo, right? Cayo Largo, Cayo yeah. Cruz, yeah, okay. right.
1: But go to Zapata. Zapata has a ton of permit as well, right? Yeah. So I mean, Cuba in general has some great opportunities for permit. But in terms of some uh, memorable fish, I know I've told you this story, but um, uh, one of the first permit I caught in Cuba was with um, Bemba, who's one yeah. of the famous guys there, and. You know, we, um, the first day that he and I were fishing together, I had, I had him for the whole week by myself. It was one of those trips where wow. I was, I, I had kind of organized the trip yeah. and we were an odd number and, um, I had a guide for myself the whole week. Oh, that's, that's... I should have shared him. <laughs> I know better now. I know better now, yeah. but I did. I had him for the whole week. And the first day we saw a school of fish and they yeah. were, they were going fast in front of us and I managed to get a close enough cast that fish peeled off and ate it, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, and it was... It was really striking to think back on it because I'm fighting this fish. And Bemba is being as professional as a guide can be. Sure. Right? He's saying, hey, let the fish go. He said, I'll pull after it. Right? So we'll keep up with it. Keep the rod high. Don't touch your drag. You right? Right. Just calm, professional, you know, keeping me really in the right space. Right? Yeah. And so we finally get the fish close and he anchors the boat. He jumps out. He tails the fish. And he tails the fish. And as soon as he dies, he starts screaming. Right? <laughs> if you ever tell the story. And he's like, pumping his mitts. go like, Going nuts. I'm thinking, this is really bizarre. Yeah, what, yeah. Right? And so we do the whole thing. We take the pictures. And we let the fish go. And we high-five. And I say, Bemba, what is the story? You were so calm. yeah, right? And he went crazy. And he said, well, he said, put yourself in my place. He said, I'm a professional fishing guide. Yeah. I fish out here. I've been fishing here for 18 years. Right as a guide, and every year I get anglers from all over the world to come here, and it's the only trip that they do in the year. Most of them, it's their only saltwater trip they do in right. the year. You can't cast thirty feet, most of them. <laughs> sure. They can't see the fish, right? And even if they can see the fish, we got to find a fish that will eat the fly. We got to find a fish that won't spook. Right. We gotta if we hook the fish, we got to find a way to keep it out of the coral. And yeah. so he says to me, that permit was number fifty-three. He had them all counted sure. in his head, yeah. and he caught that was the 53rd permit he'd landed in 18 yeah. years of being a guide there. Right now, BEMBA's wow. over, way over 100 now, right? Sure. And so that really stuck with me yeah. as as how special those fish those fish are. Yeah. Right? But, you know, I've got a couple other permit stores. I got a really big one, you know, by pure luck. I got a 30-something pounder. That's just crazy, you know. But I think one of the more memorable fish was I was with Juan Carlos juan carlos remember juan carlos i got
0: caught my second permit with juan carlos yeah juan
1: carlos what's his nickname remember his nickname
0: no i don't i don't think i ever knew his nickname
1: is the radio the radio (laughs) you know why
0: he's always on it exact
1: no because he won't shut up he talks the all the time oh maybe maybe it's a different juan carlos i mean i don't know so juan carlos who's been a guide in zapata the land-based operation forever um it, this the first time I went there was back when they didn't have any motors on the boats. Oh, right. Yeah. And so you saw Remember, you've seen those little the blue, blue boats, yeah, plastic they, they stick. <laughs> yeah. And so we it's a first day of fishing. And Juan Carlos is my guide. And we have to pull an hour and a half before we can start fishing. Right. <laughs> and you got this little 10 foot plastic blue boat. Right. And he's got a push pole that is a stick. Yeah. Right. And he's pushing and we're going and he's talking. The whole time, yeah, right, about everything—politics, life in Cuba, you know, how the United States is bad and and Russia's good. You know, I mean, it was really interesting, but yeah. non-stop talking. Yeah. And uh, we're going across this bay, and he says, he says, sometimes we see permit here. No, so he said, look as we're going across, yeah. Well, we didn't see a permit, but we get in the back country and we catch a bunch of bone fish and it's two thirty. And he says, we got to head back now. Yeah. Right. Because he's got to pull another you know, <laughs> hour and a half. Go back. So we're pulling back. Yeah. And he's talking. Juan Carlos is talking. And I'm sitting in the front of the boat and I'm looking at Juan Carlos and I see something and I go. That was to- that was a permit. Right? Saw a tail. But I don't. but I don't say anything because it's you know what I mean? You think you see something. Right. So he's still talking and I'm looking and I see it again and I say, Well Carlos, there's a permit back there and I grab my ten weight, right? Yeah yeah and this fish is coming, you know, I mean it just at the right angle, right? Yeah. So we got the skiff like this and the fish is coming this way, right? Right. And I get all the line and just as I get all the line off the reel, the fish is in the right spot. And I make one cast, lead the fish and it just grabs a fly. He oh thinks my. I'm the greatest permit angler on the planet. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where I saw the fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was cool. I didn't, I didn't say anything about it at first. Right. I only had to make one cast, you know? And so, you know, still to this day, when I see Juan Carlos, he's like, do you have any of those flies? You think he, he still remembers the fly. It was an Avalon fly that was a little different. Avalon yeah. Fly. Yeah, and so I those that was one of the fish I really remember that trip. I caught two permit and three casts um, actually, <laughs> oh and gosh. then I went a year without catching one, sure, you know, just the yeah, way it goes, just the way it goes. Yeah. yeah,
0: I, I um, so I got caught a permit on this last trip, but I had not caught one since 2016, yeah, right. Carlos, like it was, I mean, I had hooked a couple fish, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, I, I remember Zapata hooking one. It running around all these boulders on like the on the beach. Oh, you're on the outside, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, ran through the boulders and just broke me off. Ugh. Like it was nothing I could do about it. And uh, I hooked one uh, in Hardinas this last trip where I go go to set the hook and I just had a bad hook set on it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how I screwed it up. I, yeah, I, mean, I was just I was too jumpy or something. Right. But, but like
1: oh yeah, man. you were thinking too much.
0: Yeah. Or I've had like where I've had a fish, and this is I mean one of the things that's crazy about Cuba is that there's just so many fish yeah N- not just the fish that we're targeting but there's right. all of these i mean it, it, you're fishing in an aquarium and so i i had this giant mutton snapper like he, like oh, huge mutton snapper. that was traveling with a permit mm-hmm. the permit was excited was following the fly coming to it and i thought there were two permit mm-hmm. but it was a mutton snapper right. next to the permit yeah. and it comes over eats the fly of and course takes off and you know and then this last trip i had a a large jack Craval, mm-hmm. eat the fly instead of the permit. And there was two permit with, the, and then the school of Jack's and like, yeah. you know, I was convinced I had a permit on because yeah, I saw right, the permit right, and right, then right. the guy's like, no, it's a Jack. And I'm like, what? No, it's not. <laughs> like, so it's, oh, yeah. it's just pretty crazy. So Kyle, Cruz cruise, Chiro largo. But if you want to fish for, you want to fit, you want to have like the, the full experience of, mm-hmm. I'll, I want to fish for permit. You know in the morning on that rising tide i want to i want to go fish for bonefish in the e you know in the afternoon right. i want to fish for tarpon the whole deal yeah
1: there's i mean the two that stand out are zapata and gardens of the queen okay right those are the two that really yeah. stand out now the season can can change that a little bit right sure. so if you went to cayo largo in april may june then there are tarpon there yeah migratory tarpon it's got incredible bone fishing and it's got Great permit fishing, what it's known for. And the same thing will happen on Kyle, uh, Kyle Cruise on the north North Shore. But they're different in that neither one of those places has a large population of resident tarpon. Sure. So if you want to go in November, like you're you and I are doing this year, if you want yep. to go in January, February, March, those are places where you can go and expect to see all the species of flatfish that we know every every day of the year.
0: Yeah. Right. So speaking of November, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going the first week in November, you're going the second week in right. November. Do you have open spots on your trip?
1: I've got one. I
0: got one open one. spot at the moment. I have I got a lot of open spots. So, um if you want to spend a week with me or spend a week with John, yeah, um, we're both going to, to Zapata Peninsula mm-hmm. aboard the Georgiana. Yes, and we are. So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. But um, but the, the the new kind of thing you've been doing, um, I mean, you've been doing doing the fishing stuff in Cuba for a long time. Mm-hmm. The new stuff that you've been doing now for the last couple of years is doing more of the cultural trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on right. our last podcast, um, when you and I talked about travel stuff, we talked about col- culture and getting experience to experience that, but. I mean, it's pretty special going to Cuba is, and yeah. experiencing uh, just the culture of Cuba. And I mean, what are some of the things that you just love about uh, Cuban culture? Well, I, I, think, I
1: think the thing to really understand about it is that if you've been to Europe, if you've traveled in Europe, right? If you've gone to Paris or if you've gone to Rome, right? What you do there is you make you get your list of things you've got to see in Paris. I've got to go to the, see the Champ, Champs-Élysées. I've got to walk through Luxembourg Gardens. I've got to go up the Eiffel Tower. I've got to go to Sacré-Cœur. It's all about... Sites, Sure. Right. Sure. And that's not what Cuba is about, as you all know. Right. right? So when you're in Havana, sure, you got to go see Parque Central and yep. you got to walk around old Havana. Right. But it's not about sites. It's about experiences. I, I think that's yeah. that's what I really try and impress upon people because life is so different there. Right. The Cuban people themselves are so different there. What's important in life there is so much different than what's important here. Yeah. What's important there is time with friends, experiences with family, right? They value that so much and you see it. And partly it's because of just the way life is there, right? They've had to rely on each other for so long because life has always been ten, you know, been tenuous there for yeah. let's face it, for this last sixty years and maybe maybe longer than that. Right. We know there's no, you know, people aren't on the streets starving. Everybody has a home, but they live just on that edge, right? So in order to get by, they all help each other. And that changes the way that life is. So when you see, you know, when you walk around the neighborhoods and you see the people that are sitting on their front porches in the evening in the shade yeah, talking with each other, you see the men under the tree playing dominoes, you see the kids in the back alley with a crappy old soccer ball right. playing soccer you know, it's, it's about the experiences. And so, yeah. you know, when we do these cultural trips and by the way, we do, we do two different ones. We do one that is pure culture. Sure. And we do others that are a combination where you do, you know, three or four days of culture and then you fish for fish. three or four yeah. days. It's, to me, it's about the experiences. So having that, you know, we go to a, a school for example, and, and when we go to this primary school, I've gotten to know the teachers and the principal now and some of the kids Yeah, and, you know, being inter- able to interact with those kids, off the charts. Great. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, me, you've got now a list of people that you, you know, right. There are Cubans that, you know, right. And introducing those people to your, to your group, whether they're a guide like Mm -hmm. Camilo, the cigar guy, or, you know, my friends. Yeah. Right. He's great. Yeah. Or my, my friends, the musicians, Diami and Javier that, you know, I always take people to, Yeah. you know, those, they're all friends now on Facebook with my customers. Right. 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 And that's kind of what happens in in Cuba. So to me, it's about the experiences. And and there's nothing I like more in Havana than going on those back streets in central, you know, or or on the outskirts and and having to be a little bit uncomfortable. Right. Making yourself a little bit uncomfortable, getting lost a little bit. Good thing about Cuba is you're never in danger. Right. It's not a dangerous place to travel. Right. But going to those back streets, that's when you see life there I, I,
0: I did get I got lost with no, was a group a couple of years ago and we were in in uh, you know the old, old part of <clears> and <throat> at one point I'm like I don't even know if we're close to where we're supposed to be yeah and right I mean, yeah it was and it we weren't yeah <laughs> right was, we were definitely like yeah it was it was kind of crazy yeah so no, but I love it yeah I think one of the, the things that I really like about um, about going there is uh, I mean when people when people go for the first time it's it's about oh I want to see all the old cars sure and, and you know and, that, and that's great and that's mm-hmm. cool but um, the music is incredible it is and, It's absolutely um, unbelievable it's and, and it's amazing that you can go into you can go go to a small cafe mm-hmm. um, or you know go, or go see a show somewhere or whatever and the uh, the caliber of musicians um, that I mean it's it's just yeah over so, the over the top I mean, yeah I, I went to a jazz club. Uh, this last trip, and, which one, by uh, the way, the El Cuervo uh, e um, what's it called?
1: Yeah, it's in Vedado. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. on on 23rd, 23rd yeah,
0: yeah, right. So, and um, I mean, and we, I mean, it was fifteen bucks to get mm-hmm. in, and it, that included two two drinks, right? right and so, yeah. um, and the the band that was playing, I mean, it was a, it's a small venue, mm-hmm. um, it, just over the top good, and right. like or like we went, uh, we did a, a dinner thing. Um, El Guajito, um, uh-huh, right? And, oh my gosh! Like we got to see, there was a, original members from like the Buena Vista Social Club mm-hmm. that were there, like you know, in the, they are in their eighties and yeah, stuff. Right, and, yeah. I mean, just just is inc- just incredible. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I I love seeing that part of it, but yeah. then like you know, just getting to know the local people is really interesting. To, and, and but here's the thing that I really want want you to talk about is that w- life in Havana. Is very different than yeah. life in the countryside. For and if sure. you go to uh, Jardines de la Reina and you're going to take the bus ride, uh, you, you I mean, you mm-hmm. get to see plenty of the countryside, and you get to see how you know the rest of the country lives. Yeah, and it's a right. big island. It's sep- yeah. what do you say, 700? It's and, almost 800 miles almost from the eight, east of west. Yeah, 800 miles mm-hmm. uh, long, mm-hmm. and so it's not. So Havana is not all of Cuba.
1: No, it's not. But it's funny, right? So as you said, the island's almost 800 miles long. No. It's got 11 million people. Two million of them live in Havana, right? And it's funny when you get to know Cubans and you, you, know, you hear them joking about each other. There are only two kinds of Cubans. There are those that live in Havana <laughs> and everybody else, right? And the people that live in Havana think everybody that doesn't live there is a farmer, Right. <laughs> and the people that live outside of Havana thinks that everybody that lives in Havana is a snobby city, you know, uppity kind of a person. Sure. Right. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It, it, it's markedly different. No, no question about it. I mean, Havana, you you have to experience Havana. You, you can see you can see the potential of that. So you can see what it was. It's all just under the surface. Right. Yeah. It's so amazing. Um, and and you can see a lot of life in a in you know in a couple of days there right so you can get a lot of exposure pretty quickly in Havana and then in the countryside I mean all you have to do is when you're if when you're flying in to Cuba is just look out the window of the plane right and as you're on approach for you yeah, know that shocking. 20 minutes you're like yeah like it's green fields yeah just green yeah right I and mean, it's largely a an agricultural island for right. sure and and uh, you do have to Recognize that when you travel outside of Havana, it's not all amazing. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of Cuban towns that all look the same, and there's not much there for you to see unless you're really that kind of adventurous traveler that wants to, you know, carry the camera around and go on back streets and do that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just really the, the, you know, the case. But there are a couple famous places that they're not undiscovered you're going to see other tourists there but they're famous for a reason and they're amazing right and so those a couple come come to mind are vinales Mm -hmm. have you been you haven't been to vinales yet not yet you've been to trinidad yet no so those are two that really you know come to mind i mean trinidad is one of the old the original spanish cities right and it's a unesco cultural heritage site and it's just beautiful uh, but Vinales is kind of my favorite. Yeah, you know because what's cool about it is it's pretty close to Havana, so you can get it's west west of Havana. Yeah, it's west of okay. Havana. It's in Pinar del Rio province, which is famous for growing tobacco, right? But what's cool about it is this: you know, you are again, you can do it in a day trip. Really, sure. from Havana, it's a okay. long day. Yeah, I recommend that you go spend a night or even two over there because yeah. you get to experience what you just talked about, where you're doing that long bus ride to yeah. Cardenas. You get that in a couple hours, so you're now you're outside of the city. You're seeing the fields, you're seeing them, you know, the guys tilling the fields behind ox, and you're seeing all those people that are hitchhiking along the freeway, right? right? You're seeing the horse carts and all that stuff, which, yeah. you, you know, I mean, you're not seeing um, every day in, in, when you're in Havana. Right. And when you get to Vinales, it's stunningly beautiful. It's a unique habitat in Cuba where it's this mm-hmm. valley that is ringed by these incredible rock formations and the air from the ocean, you know, flows in and then, and then, stays in the valley so it makes it cooler and it makes it great for growing tobacco and it's verdant green lush and i can't get enough of it and i try and go there every group if i can and we've got you know made great friends there and great accommodations you need to go yeah honestly and i'll introduce you and yeah you'll you'll want to go every time yeah i'm planning on it yeah so it's (laughs) great
0: yeah yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. so um what other other aspects of the Cultural trips that you guys do. I mean, what are some of the other parts that? Well, that are the standout. Yeah, some
1: of the standouts for me. So you know, when we're in and around Havana, as I said, to me, it's about the experiences. So we'll do uh, the car rides. You know, we'll get the classic American cars and tour the city. We'll do a walking tour of old Havana. Those are things you kind of everybody has to do, right? Gives you a lay of the land. But the stuff that I like to do again is the stuff that I think is. Gives you the experiences. So it is, like I said, going to the school it's spending an evening in the apartment of my friends that are musicians, you mm-hmm. know, that I think is so fantastic. It's spending time with Camilo, the cigar guy. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get a, um You go and do that cigar uh, tour, which is awesome. But Camilo is, you know, he's one of those guys. I mean, he just wants to talk. He wants to go have a drink with you. I sent some people there recently. They were not even customers. They're just people I know here yeah. that live near me. And uh, they got back in this. He said we spent a whole day with Camilo. I said, "What do you mean?" They said, "Yeah, you know, we did the tour with him and then and he said, "Why don't you come out to my house, you know, tomorrow and they spent the whole day with yeah. him at his house, right?" That's awesome. And so, yeah, it's 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 really about those experiences, yeah. you know. So, I mean, I just like you, I mean, maybe I've got a little bit longer list than you do cuz I've been there a few more times, right. but I got a long list of those people that I want my customers to meet yeah. and to interact with. Sometimes it's just a taxi guy. Did I send you the picture of the worst taxi in in all of Havana that I use regularly now?
0: I don't know, but I... I think I might have been in that you one. You might I, have. I flagged one down you might have a, a couple you know, years ago and I was like, ooh, this is a mistake. Oh yeah, man. I mean <laughs> a
1: trip earlier uh last year, in the middle of last year, it, we got dropped off of Parque Central. Yeah. You know, on our way after after fishing, and we were trying to go to our little guest house, and you got, you know, a mountain of luggage and there's five of us. Yeah. And so we're trying to get taxis, and there's this one guy that is he's trying to get us. Yeah. As opposed to us trying to get him. So right. immediately you don't want him, yeah, right? You don't want him. But he was persistent. Yeah. And finally, I'm like, okay, dude, you know, I mean, and he says, I can get all of you in the car. I can take all your luggage. I said, what are you talking about? And he, well, he's got this luggage rack right. on top, and he throws everything up there, and he doesn't tie anything down, and he puts <laughs> stuff in the in the trunk, which doesn't close, and then right. he straps stuff onto the back of the <coughs> trunk, and he opens his door, and he's retrofitted the whole inside of the taxi, so we could all pile in, and yeah. and I mean, it was, he didn't turn it off. Because he can't. He can, no, but, because he has to jump. I mean, he has right. to compression start it, right, to get it started. <laughs> and he's selling. Then he's selling stuff inside the cave. Okay, he's got sunglasses for sale <laughs> on the front, right. And now I use him constantly, really? right. Him and his son. I mean, I I've got a Cuban cell. Yeah. Because it, it's it, as a you know I'm kind of guiding in sure. a way, so I can call my taxi. I can make reservations at restaurants and that kind of stuff. And I'll call him up. Say, yep. Rodolfo. I need you. I need you and your son. You know, they've each got a car and, you know, he's reliable and it's, it's a gas. Just he's getting reliable. That old. I mean, the car, the car is, is not broken but, down on me yet. Really? Okay. But, but two different times he's had the compression started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. We've, we've only had one <laughs> mechanical issue in a, uh, uh yeah. in, a, in a car when, the guy had to pop the hood and just start, he just pulled out a hammer and just started banging away and then closing it and off we went. Yeah, it's
1: amazing. <laughs> Aren't they incredible? They're yeah. so resourceful. I mean, when they open that hood and you see the engines in the cars right. and you see what they've done to retrofit those cars. Yeah. It's incredible.
0: Well, and it, one of the things that stands out about Cuba, too, is that um, there's, I mean, compared to like going to Mexico or, or other countries, I mean, Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, right. But there's just, there's no garbage. There's very little garbage, and 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 partly it might be because you know everyone's got a job and Mm -hmm. so people are cleaning up garbage, but but I think part of it might just be the resourcefulness of the people that like they they yeah don't throw stuff away they don't throw stuff away like everything gets turned into something no it's true it's
1: true and everything gets fixed you know I mean even the you know I mean besides things that are obvious like cars right Uh, rice makers. Right? I mean, everybody eats rice in Cuba, right? And they have rice makers. The rice maker goes out here. I mean, you go and spend 50 bucks and buy another one. Well, no, in Cuba, there's a shop that will fix your rice maker, right? (laughs) There are. And that that guy that's fixing your rice maker is then going to fix the sewing machine and then is going to work on somebody's coffee pot and then is going to build a a BC bike taxi thing, right? They can do anything. It's incredible
0: and might not be re- replacing the parts with the manufacturer. Oh, he's certainly uh, not yeah. replacing the parts with the
1: manufacturer's <laughs> recommended yeah. part. Yeah, Okay, so we,
0: we didn't get into this part, but but we probably need to talk about it because uh, people are, um, you know, are, are, you know, always ask me, mm-hmm. isn't it illegal to travel oh, right, to, yeah, yeah. to Cuba? Didn't the Trump yeah. shut everything down? Why did we start know, out with this? Like we should have started yeah, out with right. this, but uh, but this is the goal at the end that sure. uh, for all those that, that sure. stuck with us. So. Let um, I me mean, talk a little bit about just um, what, what it looks like yeah. for for people to legally travel to right, Cuba. Right. And
1: well, I mean, it is a bit confusing. Let's lay that out there. And that's why we're here. That's and it why might you're cha- here. It might and, change by the yeah, time this goes exactly, live, too. Yeah, exactly. So. It's like the weather, right? Yeah. So the one thing I always tell people when they, they say that to me, isn't it illegal to go to Cuba? I mean, and they, they you can tell that they're kind of really questioning the validity sure. of things. I always say to them, there are 17 daily flights from the U.S. to Havana every day of the year. So if it's not legal, why are there 17 flights a day? Right, right. so that's the thing I start out with. So American flies there, Delta flies there, JetBlue flies yeah. there, blah, 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 blah. So, but things have changed. So what Trump has changed is, most importantly, he's reduced the number of legal categories of travel, right? That's in itself a little bit confusing. It used to be, under when, when Obama opened things up, the, the big category of travel was the people-to-people category, right. Right? which meant that um, they, they were encouraging U.S. travelers to go and interact with the Cuban people. And that was your excuse for being there. It couldn't be tourism right. because we still had a travel embargo to Cuba, yeah. right? So it couldn't be tourism, but it could be interaction with people, which was basically tourism. Let's face it. Sure. So Trump has, that's one category that's gone, for example. And there are fewer legal categories of, of travel. Yeah. So that's, so you have to go under one that's a legal category of travel. And there are a couple that work out for us pretty, pretty well. Yeah. The other things that have changed is you can only fly into Havana now from the U.S. Right. Whereas before you could fly into, you know, Camagoy, and yeah. Santa Clara. Yeah, we had to stuff. cancel
0: flights and reboot. Yeah, you
1: know? so it made it, it made it a little, you know, it's it's certainly still all fine. But right. when you're going to some of those more remote fishing destinations, it means that you've got to do those long overland trips. So again, you have to organize your trip with somebody that will that's aware of that mm-hmm. and is honest with you to tell you, hey, understand that you've got this long bus trip at the beginning of your trip or whatever. So anyway, you can only fly in and out of Havana now. Um, they um, reduce the number the places that you could stay at. There's a list of places that you can no longer stay at. Generally, they're big resorts that are owned in, you know, where the Cuban government has a share of the ownership. And the idea is that, you know, as a traveler going there, you're then putting money into the coffers of the Cuban government, which perpetuates a communist society, blah, 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 blah. It's ridiculous because when you go there and you stay at a casa, like you do, they pay a nightly fee to the Cuban government as well. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing the same thing. Oh, sure. Uh the cruise ships are no longer allowed to go there from yeah. um, US from US ports as well. So those are the things that ha- have changed, but yes. it's t- still totally possible to go. Yep. I I do encourage you to do it the right way. Talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. I I encourage you to have the paperwork that supports your trip. I think it just makes you breathe easier, sure. you know. I mean, yeah, do you want to take that risk? And it only costs
0: you know, a hundred bucks to get the paperwork. Yeah, right? that, that's so exactly right. It's if you do like, it,
1: if you're doing it the right way. Yeah, pay the yeah, hundred bucks, get exactly. the get the thing,
0: and, mm-hmm. and then you're all good. Yeah, so,
1: so we certainly, you know, we're a professional agency. We try and do things that that way. Yep. Because you know, I mean, they want this business to be going on a long time, so yeah. they don't want to put themselves at any risk. So they do do it the right way, so that you're protected and we're protected uh, okay. as well. Cool.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for being on the podcast Thank today. You, Blake. And um you have uh you have some cultural trips coming up. Um, I
1: do. Boy, I'm got next. a full I've got a full year. This year is full and booked and everything. I've got like you said wow. one trip in November. I've November. got one one space on other ones are all full. And I'm really kind of planning my trips for next year. Now, generally speaking, for me, and, you know, and I think you kind of work this this similarly but the cultural trips in a way I let people come to me. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, in a way, because uh, a lot of times people come to me and say, hey, it's you know, my, me and my wife. Yeah. And we've got another couple, you know, uh, four people, a couple other couples who would like to go. And then we work out a trip sure. together and we plan it together. Right? Yeah. So generally that's they're a little bit um, uh, grassroots, if you want to call them, call sure. them that. You yeah. Know? The other trips. The fishing trips, right. because there's only limited space on the boats, we have to kind of plan out. Totally. The cultural trips, I'm a little bit more free and easy okay. about. So right. you're
0: looking at doing some for 2021? Absolutely. Yep. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm planning on doing a cultural yeah. trip 2021. Uh, John's going to be helping me kind of put some stuff together because it'll be kind of my first cultural trip down there, but yeah, you know, you it. it'll be my eighth trip to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but John's got some stuff so you can reach out to John Johnkovich.com, follow him on Instagram. Um, you can he it's just John Kovich on Instagram, right? Um, yeah,
1: it's actually Cuba fishing on Instagram, I believe um, and Cuba fishing outfitters is my little you know yeah, deal here yeah, that's yeah. on the mug or Flywater travel of course sure. as well. A couple yeah. of, couple different ones. yeah, Cuba but I encourage people to you know to you know reach out to me directly. I like yeah. I like getting the phone call, go to my website, call me and ask me questions about Cuba. And you, I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. Like the, ad- the other about.
0: thing I'll point out, too, that I didn't mention in the last one is that um, that John has a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and Cuba Fishing Outfitters right. is your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And he's got some great uh, overview videos of just talking about the different marine areas around Cuba, mm-hmm. what to expect, uh, fishing at those different places. Uh, and so you can also connect with John there. And yeah, uh, yeah those great, have been helpful. Great place as well. So, Good. hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. And make sure you subscribe. Uh, Also, all of our interviews are on YouTube, so you can check them out there as well. And, And we'll see you on the next episode.